Keeping a restaurant's kitchen clean can be a lot of pressure. Sometimes too much. Welcome to Service Calls, a podcast brought to you by Heritage Parts in partnership with Food Service Equipment Reports. Each month, we talk to experts and service techs to bring you the latest news and tips for use in the field. I'm Rob LaFrance, and along with going overboard when cleaning equipment, we'll talk about staying current with skills and certificates and keeping calm when your customers aren't. First up, it's from the field. And service techs, I know you guys have seen this. That recurring problem, you fix it, and a week or two later, you're back for the same problem. On the phone from Connecticut, we welcome senior technician with Gary's East Coast Service, Jay Sanderson, who made several visits to one restaurant to replace what appeared to be a faulty thermostat on a countertop fryer. Jay, so this was a fairly new fryer, but it's not really that unusual to be called back to replace a part on a piece of equipment still under warranty, right? Yeah, that is correct. It was a... A, a fryer definitely under warranty, so we we're returning on the um, manufacturer's request. But now it's the third visit with the same problem in a short amount of time, and that raised some red flags for you, right? Yeah, I've seen. You, know, you see pieces of equipment or components that come in that are malfunctioned. Sometimes you get a bad batch or something. So my eyes were open, looking to see exactly what was going on here, whether it was a component or you know anything. Because it's uh, unusual to get, you know, you get one, sometimes you get two bad. But when you're on a third one, then you got to start looking around the room. So your third visit, same diagnosis, you install another new thermostat, but then you discovered what was causing the problem. What'd you find? Yeah, what happened was I was in my truck doing the paperwork. Uh, I, I came back out uh, to go inside to get a signature. As I walked, I passed by a gentleman with a pressure washer in the parking lot, pressure washing the fryer I had just repaired. I looked at him. I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, this is how we keep everything clean here. I go, are you out of your mind? You just voted your warranty. You know, I, I've, I've cleaned a lot of fryers in my time, and I know that a, a pressure washer would be an amazing tool to be able to use, but uh, probably not the best application of it. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty comical at the end game. So <laughs> what damage did the pressure washer do to the thermostat and the fryer? Well, you couldn't really tell... Um, like the damage from just looking at it because it was really clean. Um, but apparently it's, you know, it's a 208 volt electric fryer. So you can't introduce water to that situation. So obviously the water was getting inside the KX style thermostat and probably causing some rusting overnight or something causing it not to operate properly. So why was it difficult to pinpoint the problem during the first couple of visits? Cause you'd show up and you see a crisp, a pristine clean fryer no water tripping out of it, obviously, at that point, because they probably did it, used it overnight, and then it just sat there. I would get there every morning because that was the best time to do the service call there at this particular place. And, you know, you'd open it up, you'd, you'd turn it on, you'd check it, and, you know, you get weird, you know, temperature fluctuations. And so, okay, well, we have a malfunctioning thermostat. You know, there was no water dripping out of it, so I had no suspicion of pressure washing. And uh, then I would just change it and check the new one. So what advice do you have for service techs who run into situations like this? For the most part, you don't get a lot of malfunctioning components. You know, you, you do get them sometimes, but if you start coming back on a second one, now you got to start looking at the environment. Look around, see what's going on. What's the chef doing? What's the dishwasher doing? You know, what's what's going on? How are they cleaning this stuff? Yeah, you know, I've seen guys put. I've seen guys put, um, you know, small pieces of equipment in the sink, <laughs> you know, electric pieces <laughs> of equipment, just immersing them in the sink. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? This is water again. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it is really all. It comes down to the training, right? You know, the initial training when the people who are working in the restaurant, you know, not a lot of time. They they don't have any experience with this equipment, and they're told to clean it, and exactly. they're just trying to find the best way to do it. And in a lot of cases, the easiest, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you get a you get a dishwasher or a guy who's just making salads and ask him to clean something. He's never seen this piece of equipment. He doesn't know what it is, and uh, you know, it's going in the sink. All right. Thanks a lot, Jay. That was Senior Technician with Gary's East Coast Service, Jay Sanderson. For our next segment, I'm going to welcome a couple of guests. First is Food Service Equipment Reports Managing Editor, Allison Resendiz. Hey, Allison. Hey, Rob. And just in time for Cefesa's National Conference, we're talking on the phone to Cefesa President and General Manager and Vice President of Hawkins Commercial Appliance Service, John Schwint, about what's out there that techs can take advantage of to improve their skills, gain certification, deliver good service, and excel in their careers. Hello, John. Good morning. Okay, let's talk training methods for service agents. That includes everything from guides and OEM manuals to online resources and even virtual simulation. Can you walk us through some of the most recent avenues service agents can take for ongoing training? Sure. Well, this is a it's a very complex subject with training. You know, for a new technician to be trained, uh, in my opinion, the most important part is hands-on training. And we at Cefesa have found that if the tech being trained has little or no previous experience, they do not learn or retain online training or even the virtual reality training that's been available up to this point. People that work with their hands, we're tactile learners. And I've known many people in, the, in life that are extremely smart in theory, but when you put a meter and a screwdriver in their hands in front of a piece of equipment, maybe throw in a customer behind them, they're as lost as a new technician. Now we take an experienced technician who has hands-on experience, they can now use this online information, online manuals, virtual reality systems, and uh, now they can learn and retain that information as long as they can put it into practice within a short period of time. You know, they can be updated with new technical information, programming, or a little different way of adjusting or calibrating controls or components, but if they have never laid their hands on a type of equipment, all the bookwork is ineffective, we found. And you were saying that the even the, the VR stuff, is uh, it, it wasn't as effective as maybe you were hoping it would be. That is correct. Um, we, back at Cefesa, when we were doing our uh, EGS and R classes, um, we actually went to a pre-class that uh, potential trainees had to take before they came to our, our uh, EGS and R classes. And... Um, we saw absolutely no difference in the people coming into class as to their level of abilities. So we, we felt it was a waste of time and money to have them do that before they came into class. Looking ahead, um, when it comes to advanced training, what are some of the latest resources, tools, and techniques available? Well, the advanced training, we're looking at like Google Glasses. We've been using FaceTime connections for tech support with the, with the technician in front of the uh, piece of equipment. Um, these are going to be really handy tools that will really help technicians in the future. Um, but again, this is not a cure-all for all training, especially with the newer inexperienced techs. Can you talk about just how important it is? Uh, you know, everything changes so fast, and, and that's definitely the case in the, in the restaurant world. Uh, how important is it that service agents receive ongoing training? Um, huge 
Slightly, right? (laughs) (laughs) To make it simple, it's huge. You know, uh, technology has changed so much just in the past couple years, let alone the last five years. You know, I've only been doing this for 41 years and uh, seen a few changes (laughs) in that time. I imagine. But they've both helped and hurt the training process. You know, when I started out, our tech support was a roll of dimes for a payphone. Um, you couldn't call the manufacturers uh, because it was a long-distance call, and the restaurants didn't have that. Then they bring along, you know, as new tech, uh, technology comes along, you know, like uh, I remember when Nextel Direct came out. You know, we were in tall cotton. But then it turned into inexperienced techs, found it too easy just to get a hold of the technician, the, their tech support. Next thing you know, it's a crutch. They're not thinking about troubleshooting. They're just asking questions. You know, even technology, it's got good points and bad points. John, what's the biggest hurdle technicians face when it comes to taking part in ongoing training? And how do you suggest they overcome it? Ooh, uh, time. You know, right now, everyone is so busy and there's a shortage of technicians. And for a company to pull a tech off the road to go to a class is extremely difficult expensive technicians you know we they really only have eight hours a day they all have families they want to get home they want to deal with the kids and go into their sporting events or or helping them with schoolwork and stuff it's a huge investment on the service company as well you know if you calculate lost revenue payroll potential overtime travel expenses lost customers and always the potential for technicians getting recruited by other companies for a few bucks more all those things play into it. So with that in mind, what's the first step a service agent can take you know, toward getting involved in ongoing training and making sure that they're the best they are at their career? Great question. And probably first off, don't ignore the basics. You know, for a service agent company, start off with the beginning of getting your basic training done. You know, that's one thing that Cefesa has really pushed and thrived on with our EGS classes. We just created a new, uh, this year we introduced a, what we call NTT or new tech training. We did it to provide basic training for beginning techs to have a solid foundation to build off of. You know, if you don't have the basics down correctly, you're gonna do nothing but waste other people's time by putting them in more advanced classes and situations. As for ongoing training, you know, showing an interest, asking, committing resources, you know, that's going to guarantee that you're going to have enough people to show up for uh, for these trainings and make it worthwhile for the manufacturer to put on these trainings, whether they be online or in person. You know, technicians love training. They love good, relevant, ongoing training. They thrive on it. And uh, they want to learn new things as long as it'll help them do their jobs. So, John, coming up, what's on the horizons for technicians as far as training, and what are you most excited about? Coming up, you know, like I say, every, uh, as equipment gets more, um, keeps evolving into self-diagnostics, uh, it's scary for me, but, you know, software training, you know, understanding how computers, you know, and the interfaces that you have to use, those are probably the biggest things. Learning that stuff, the I see the virtual reality, the uh, Google Glasses. I'm, you know, I've, I've only seen them. I've never used them. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, everybody's budgets are getting cut. 
we're going to have we're going to have to embrace this new technology, but we're going to have to do it correctly. And be, you know, so we don't miss the boat. All right, a lot of great info in there. Thank you so much, John Schwint, Professor President and General Manager and Vice President of Hawkins Commercial Appliance Service. Next up, let's talk nuts and bolts. In this segment, we get tips from techs like you who spend their days in the field. And in most cases, whatever the repair is, you know it needs to be done now. And that can mean adding therapists to your resume when it comes to dealing with a stressed-out chef. Here's what a few of our listeners had to say about navigating that kind of situation, and thanks to some friends of mine for voicing up their letters. First up, we have training and safety manager at Electric Motor Repair, Greg Smith, who says the most important thing is to listen. First thing is to let them vent and do your best not to reply. Your only response should be, let me take a look at the equipment and find out what's going on. Replying or defending prematurely might just agitate them further. Don't comment about other techs or other companies' findings thinking it'll take the heat off you. All you can truthfully talk about is what you found. At the same time, don't take getting cussed out lightly. For you to have a good relationship with the chef, they also need to know the boundaries, so just handle it professionally if they've crossed the line. Just remember, they're not mad at you. It's the equipment being down that has them frustrated, and your focus should be on fixing that, the equipment, not the customer. If the chef's trying to rush you through a job or asking for a diagnosis you're not ready to give, your response could be, it seems like you're a little busy. Maybe I should come back later. Typically, once you're there, they don't want you to leave, and this question will kind of get them to back off. And the same question works when they're trying to work over the top of you while you're repairing the equipment. Next, it's install manager for Hagar Restaurant Service, Roy Cagle, who says sometimes you've got to be that sympathetic ear. When it comes to dealing with stressed out chefs or pretentious ones, you just can't take it personally. They're sometimes in high pressure situations, and when their equipment isn't working properly, we're just convenient targets. We didn't break their equipment, but when some people are upset, they'll share it with anyone within range. And sales manager and customer advocate for cooking equipment specialist Mark Burden says there's never a good time for equipment to break down. I've been on both sides of the situation. So I think that the very best thing we can do as a service provider is to allow the chef or the operator to express his concerns. Most of the time, the dialogue is that this is happening at the worst time and we can't do without this piece of equipment right now. Once they've said what they need to say, solutions from the service provider are usually welcome. In my experience, being confident when presenting the possible resolutions is very important. Have some swagger and present multiple options on how to keep them operating during the time of operational weakness. Let the operator make the decision after some options have been presented, and this will offer them some feeling of control of the situation. Chefs don't like surprises, so try to give them as much information as you can as the service provider. Be available to them. If they call, make sure you respond in a timely manner. Promise nothing. Just assure them that you will follow through until the unit is fully operational. Do you have any tips or hacks to share with your fellow techs? If you do, write us an email or record a voice memo on your phone and send it along to servicecalls at fermag.com. And that's it for this episode of Service Calls, brought to you by Heritage Parts in partnership with Food Service Equipment Reports. We'll be back next month, so be sure to follow and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm Rob LaFrance.